All right, Ty. I don't have my whistle today. We're really, really rusty. So, like, uh, we, we're 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 going we're going off the script. I'm just gonna say top timeout. All right, man. Let's do right. it. All right, Fahim, you ready? I am ready. All right, let's have some fun. Timeout, Tyler. Who are we taking a timeout with today? Kevin, good to see you again, brother. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we are taking a timeout with Fahim Masood, the president and CEO of ESL Federal Credit Union. We all know the little blue card. I had one, the baby blue. Fahim, welcome to the show. And the first thing I wanted to ask you was, if you could have dinner with four people at your table, dead or alive, who would it be? Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. Four people. I guess, you know, it's interesting. We just had a leadership meeting yesterday, and uh, I mentioned that. One of them you see behind me, which is Muhammad Ali uh, uh, in a poster. Uh, uh, I think there's an individual by the name of Sir Thomas More, uh, who uh, uh, I'm not a huge literature person, but one literature book I read when I was a kid, it is a, it's, it's woven fact with fiction. Uh, he was uh, someone who challenged Henry VIII, and uh, I learned from him at a very young age about what integrity means. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I haven't really thought of it, but on the spur of the moment, I'd say my parents. Uh, it would go have, uh, good to uh, uh, show them the family uh, that has evolved, uh, uh, that was born from them. Wow. Wow. And being a new father myself, I got to ask you. What's the best thing about being uh, where you are today? What do you What do you wish that your parents got to see or or know? So I, I uh, actually am an immigrant here. I came to college in 1981, met my wife at college, and uh, uh, made the decision that uh, we could have a better life in America. Uh, she's American, and um, for her to move to Pakistan would be a bit challenging. Uh, so I was married at 21. We made the decision to live here and start a family here. Uh, the unfortunate side of that is uh, I left all my family uh, in Pakistan and uh, uh, I raised two wonderful daughters. We raised two wonderful daughters and uh, had many milestone events throughout our lives. And uh, uh, my parents did not, were not able to participate in any of them. Wow. Uh, uh, fortunately, internet uh, helped us a lot since the 90s. Uh, at least we could do more things like video chats and all. Occasionally saw them uh, over the last 40 years, but uh, 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 you know they knew me as an 18, 19 year old and uh, uh, probably, and, and quite factually, could not have projected this is the life I would have made. <laughs> and be, <laughs> Oh, for good yeah. reason, they would have protected that. So Yeah, well, you stayed for that American dream, and uh, then you became the president and CEO of ESL, one of the most prominent, well-known, and well-established organizations within the Rochester community because of all the great work that you do in our community. And, and I kind of wanted to, to, I guess, jump right into it, if we could, is, is talk about uh, like your past, right? It, you literally worked your way up um, from finance, from, 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 from some financial positions to get into where you are today, taking your history from, from your background and coming from, from Pakistan originally, and to then that experience that you grew within kind of the banking institutions 
what were some of the lessons that you learned that are making you such a um, well-known and respected and trusted leader at ESO? Well, thank you for the flattering comments. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? Uh, I have become more conscious of how my journey has come about and how my history influenced it. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it's not been sort of like uh, I, I deliberately did things, but I understand better now why they happened. Uh, I mentioned I'm an immigrant. I uh, basically left a whole world behind when I decided to settle in America after school with my wife. Um, it was so important to me to build the connections uh, with uh, the place I lived in, with people, uh, because uh, all I knew I had didn't have that anymore around me. Uh, I had a lot of family connections and growing up in Pakistan, used to big family gatherings and uh, friends. And uh, uh, I wanted to be a part of where I lived uh, and, uh, uh, and where I worked uh, and certainly very committed to family. Uh, since I didn't have any more family, that was always at my center, my daughters and my wife. Um, and um, I think that heavily influenced how I am towards how uh, I participate as a, uh, as a, a CEO uh, in that to me, my community matters. Uh, my community includes the outside our walls, but my community of people I work with, uh, they matter to me. Uh, I, I want to be part of something, not by myself. Mm -hmm. uh, so this desire to uh, uh, build these relationships and be part of uh, uh, something rather than being by myself really has driven a lot of my behaviors. And I have to say, I've become more conscious of that uh, um, as these kind of questions have been posed to me. Uh, and uh, I, I start understanding who I am, what I'm about, and uh, certainly that's influenced me. I will say also there's a... Uh, um, when you grow up in the third world, uh, many wonderful experiences, amazing people. But unfortunately, uh, you see things uh, uh, that, um, for me at least, uh, really get internalized and uh, how people are treated, how they can be treated, uh, how the haves and have nots uh, exist. Uh, I was among the fortunate. Uh, I, I didn't come from a wealthy family, but I certainly did not come from anywhere near the, not even close to any uh, poverty, uh, but you see a lot of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, to know there can be those disparities uh, and uh, that you just have to sometimes be lucky not to fall into those uh, uh, situations. Uh, uh, I, I, I think uh, is very much part of my consciousness. And I, I do bring that uh, with myself to my work uh, and all of that to my work and uh, uh, what drives me. Dude, awesome, Fahim. And I wanted to ask you, what what strength of the Pakistan culture do you bring to America? You know, I think there's a lot of similarities between Pakistan and here. <laughs> you, you know a lot of differences, but, I, I, you know, I've been here for 40 years. I am a much more a product of this environment than I am of where I grew up. But there are some things that I think very much rhyme for me about where Pakistan is and here. Generally, people like are very family-oriented uh, over here. A family is important. Uh, and um, I, 
I kind of see that very similar. A community in a different way is important. Uh, um, uh, so, you know, there's similarities that I see. Uh, uh, similarities about no matter where you are, uh, what your social class is, people are just trying to make better lives for their next generation. Uh, and uh, uh, it is in many respects, the human existence is quite similar. It uh, 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 just is at a different stage of economic evolution, perhaps. Uh, uh, so um, I, I think probably if I had grown up in America, some things would have been similar for me, right? I mean, uh, dependent on the uh, situation you grew up in, if there was a lot of family around you, you would be influenced by those connections. I have aunts, uncles who I, who are such a big part of who I am. Uh, my parents, uh, brothers, sisters, but we had a large family, very large family. Mm -hmm. Definition of family in Pakistan is different. Your <laughs> second or third cousin still family. <laughs> uh, uh, so here it's a bit different. Uh, so um, I, I, I think that connection with others, uh, 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 I think is very important in America too, much as we might be individuals. Uh, um, I appreciate that about being here, I am allowed to be much more of an individual than I'd say I would have been over there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's a difference I see, yeah. but uh, um, I see a lot of similarities. That's really, it's really cool to draw those comparisons and just even there's the reflection. And I think it's, uh, you keep alluding to the word of consciousness and raising your awareness, you know, and, and, and just a, just an elevated state of, of kind of awareness of, of why I make certain decisions or why I make those choices. And I think that's a lot of people did a lot of that during the, the pandemic. Some, some mm. figured out who they were and some, some continued to, to pretend uh, to be something else, but um, one of the things that you said earlier, uh, you talked about building connections and, and something that you're very familiar with in this in this digital world. Uh, I mean, the, the, we took a huge pause during the pandemic, but connections that you have been able to build over 40 years with your family halfway across the world probably taught you some of the skills of how you were able to build those same social fabric and the same social connections internally at ESL when you guys did have, have to hit the pause button. Um, what did you learn or what have you learned over the years of digital connection? Um, and and are, there, are there any tips that you were kind of like, oh, this is why I do this during the pandemic and this is my strength. I just never knew it existed. Did you have any aha moments then um, where you draw some of the comparisons of your personal life into now your professional world? So I think the word connections, um, the digital world does create some separation between us when we're not physically together. I found it necessary to find ways to compensate for that uh, random, uh, uh, casual uh, uh, connection you make in the hallways, uh, you make after meetings, uh, 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 that just continues conversations. It doesn't happen in the digital world the same way. You have scheduled meetings. Uh, meetings start and end. Uh, uh, so you have to create space to have meetings without, an, without necessarily a purpose, an agenda. It's, you have to create conversation. Uh, so I found myself just with people who are my management team. We have 20 people on our management team. I have seven direct reports. Uh, them I talk to every week. 
But the other members I used to talk to when we were in the physical world, uh, just casual conversation, we'll drift into business or not. I had to very intentionally create space in the digital world to make sure I had made time to have a scheduled mm. video call, to have a casual conversation. It wasn't about, hey, should we be working on something? It was to understand where each of us was. And it was a trying time uh, 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 for many reasons. One, the facts of the pandemic and uh, uh, that uh, uh, we had to support. Uh, that's our job to support our members, our, uh, our community and our employees and each other. But uh, uh, we all individually <laughs> uh, were going through things and uh, trying to understand what we were going through. So. Um, I think in the digital world, it's very easy to fall into scheduled. Uh, uh, they're very effective. You can have very effective scheduled meeting. It's those casual connections you make. You have to very intentionally create space for that. And uh, uh, it might have taken me about three or four months that I said something's missing. And we started that process to create that uh, uh, lunchtime calls uh, or just having one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, video calls. Mm -hmm. Again, not to talk business. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's going on? What's going on with the kids? Uh, uh, it's just that casual conversation yeah. that creates connections uh, uh, that um, clearly, unless you take deliberate action, is missing in the digital world. Yeah. The digital think... world allows for it. Yeah. But uh, 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 you can't just uh, uh, transport uh, meeting environment and say you're done. Yeah, and that's that's what I think when we're talking about well-being, we're looking at well-being holistically today and, and deeper deeper levels. And I think social well-being is a, a big piece to the puzzle of well wellness within an organization. So I loved loved what you had to say there, Tyler. I know we only got you on limited time today. We got you on a pitch count, so I want to make sure you get to ask all the questions that you want of this uh, this phenom leader here in Rochester. Absolutely. And Fahim, I love what you just said. It happened to me yesterday. My boss was like, we got on a call and he goes, what, what are your hobbies? And it threw me off. I was like, aren't we here for, you know, don't you want to know some things about business? So how's it going? He's like, no, you know, and it was just, it, 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 it lightened up my chest, you know, and I, I realized I haven't had a conversation over, over zoom besides business and, and work and KPIs and what you would call it. So I, I love how you yeah, touched on that Fahim. And before, before I get off, I'm going to have you do your best Muhammad Ali impression, by the way. So, get ready. <laughs> um, so but, 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 <laughs> so, uh, Fahim, I was, <laughs> was going to ask you, uh, what, when did you know in life, and I always ask folks this, when were, did you know that you were going to be a CEO of an organization or a business? When was it when you were like, you know what, I'm an immigrant, so what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a CEO. And what advice would you have specifically to immigrants that have a, a vision of, of being a CEO one day? So, I mean, first of all, I emphasize I have never felt like an immigrant as a career unfolds. Uh, so for me, it wasn't like I was uh, 21 coming out of college and said, wow, I want to be a CEO. It was a discovery yeah. along the way about I have something to offer. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I think I can have impact in a certain way by assuming certain roles. I would say probably 15 years into my career, I started thinking that, boy, I, 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 I have some things that uh, I can connect for the business and make uh, contributions that uh, would uh, uh, 
help uh, us achieve what we were trying to achieve, uh, uh, help our mission further. Uh, so I, 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 it wasn't so much about uh, 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 like having an initial uh, thought about it, but over time, the realization that I have something to offer, but then the question of how do I activate that? Yeah. What experiences do I need? What investment do I need to make in myself? Uh, what conversations do I have to have in order to express uh, uh, my interest in that? Uh, and uh, uh, so it was at some point a recognition, I think I can, I can grow into this. Uh, and uh, it, I, I would say it was probably in my mid-30s uh, mm -hmm. that uh, it became uh, like, geez, I think there's potential here and let's explore it. And I, I would say over the following 10 years, it became a definite destination. Yeah. Uh, uh, such that uh, I knew that that was where I wanted to go and uh, uh, that, quite frankly, I'd be disappointed if I didn't get there. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that, that I think I had the opportunity, I had something to offer, I had something to contribute, uh, and I could make a difference uh, in that role. So it, it, it is an objective that evolved over time as I was able to frame my, see myself in a certain frame. Yeah. And I'm just going to share this story. I use now ESL, full disclosure to everybody on the, on the call. I am an ESL member. But um, the experience that I had with working with the individuals, the employees, the people, the teammates at ESL was just above and beyond. And uh, before we got on the call, I was telling Fahim that even you could tell by the bathrooms. I, I kid you not. The cleanliness of a bathroom tells me a lot about the organization and the motivation and the satisfaction of how happy employees are to work there. That is why I made it a mission to get him on this show, uh, because it all starts at the top. How do you, Fahim, get people to trust you and to buy into what you're building um, as a leader? And I think that probably ties into your greatest strength that you identified on how you could grow your impact, not only the lives of your employees, but also externally of your walls in the community here in Rochester as well. So I, I think relationships are very important and foundational. Uh, um, and uh, uh, so I'll say a couple of questions you asked. Uh, I, I was able to observe that uh, for some reason, people would be influenced by me. Uh, uh, but what, by what I was thinking, I, I could observe that uh, when I was introducing something, I had the podium and people would uh, allow me the opportunity uh, to talk to them about things. And uh, as I examined that over time, uh, I, I, I think certainly having knowledge is very important, uh, the sort of table stakes, uh, but uh, building that trust uh, through, I think, genuine engagement with people, uh, 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 I think is really foundational for me. Uh, so it's not a tactic, uh, that, oh, geez, you know, this is the way I will get something done. I will build trust. No, it's more foundational to me is you have to get the right. Uh, and uh, to me, uh, uh, any kind of engagement starts with building trust. Uh, uh, so I, I think that's very important and seeking uh, alignment, genuine alignment, uh, which doesn't mean think my way. <laughs> uh, it means how do we kind of see the same thing and benefit from each other. Uh, again, genuinely is important. 
I think I've become more aware over time that uh, I didn't realize this, but I do actually have a real interest in people. <laughs> and, uh, I, I was going to say that. I didn't want to disrupt you, but finance, typically, you're not people people, you know? You're numbers people. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I was a real numbers person. Me and my multiple computers are very good friends. Uh, uh, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I think uh, banking is a very social activity and uh, uh, you can only do so much by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you quickly realize that you only know so much yourself. Uh, so uh, as you start engaging, you see that you can do much more. Uh, and uh, I think it just, for me, it just naturally happens. But I will say, going back to my earlier comment, this, this sort of drive to be part of something mm-hmm. involve people establishing connections uh, uh, because, uh, uh, again, I was here with me and my wife by my, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, so it, it, that, that really did come to the core of it. Is, uh, but I, I, I think how I observed some inputs for me were the realization when I talked about things, people had an interest in it. <laughs> uh, 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 then, you know, you do have to be responsible about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you, you do want to use that platform in a responsible way uh, uh, and honor it. Uh, so the more that happened, the more I said, geez, I got to learn more. Uh, I have to become more knowledgeable. But then uh, um, you also realize what works with one group of people doesn't necessarily work with others. Uh, you have to work with people as individuals. Uh, so I, I think over time, that has, uh, I have become even better uh, at that. But I will say I, I have a lot of growing to do continually in that area. Uh, uh, I, I think most people would say that. You know, yeah, I would it, agree with you. You know, we work with individuals and uh, uh, that's the joy of it. You know, we're not carbon copies of each other. Yeah, yeah. Tyler, any last question? We want his right. best Muhammad Ali impression. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. It was really nice meeting with you, Fahim. <laughs> so I will sign off. Y'all have a great day. And it was awesome meeting you, Fahim. I'll catch up with y'all later. Sounds nice good, talking guys. with you, Tyler. Have a great day. <laughs> See y'all. Well, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit here to, uh, to, to ask a lot of different questions because um, you've, you've talked about a lot. Um, and uh, it, you can tell that you're very intentional with the type of leader that you are and the impact that you're looking to have. Um, because the words that you use, like, like I said, participate as CEO, allow me to participate as CEO, just that intention in and of itself, you see yourself in a leadership role, you understand the difference that you are making, but yet you still understand the importance of the social connection with these individuals. And and that's, I think, the magic. Um, I think that's really, um, you trust people, um, you encourage them to be themselves. And it sounds like you are open to hearing feedback from them. How do you create that safe space? Because some people want to surround themselves with yes people and never hear the bad news, you know, the rainy day. But you seem to, to want to tune in to all good, bad, and indifferent. How do you do that? Uh, I, I, I think a uh, couple of things. Encourage feedback, but if, if you receive it and you don't do anything about it, people realize you're only going through the motions. Uh, we have uh, 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 very disciplined 
activities in our organization where we do have uh, uh, 360s. Uh, but those and those are very helpful. You get feedback. We plan around that, and uh, uh, we uh, look for opportunities to grow um, uh, about how to relate to each other. Uh, also, cultivating direct feedback from uh, people I work with, and it does get harder as your titles get bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. it, it is harder for people to provide you feedback, but you have to work hard at overcoming your title in order to get the feedback. And as I said, you will get feedback if, if you do something with it. Mm-hmm. People will trust that it's, uh, 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 it's worth taking perceived risk on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I have to say, I have two daughters and uh, my wife, and uh, I am very used to getting a lot of feedback on my improvement <laughs> opportunities. Uh, and uh, oh. I have I have numerous improvement opportunities. Yeah, and I think I think that's the same way I would say about my wife. I think they make me a better person. She makes me a way better person than I was because multiple perspectives, right? But raw honesty, right? Feedback with no hidden agenda, and I think that's what you were kind of alluding to when you were talking about building trust. Because now trust is the keyword. It's the buzzword. It's how you build a resilient workforce. PricewaterhouseCoopers and Ernst & Young changed their whole model on culture to trust, right? But what you said was so telling is that if you're seeking trust and, and it's a game to you, it's, it's, that is manipulation. That is not trust building. That is manipulation right. at that point. Um, and you are now connecting with the individual person, which is light years ahead of where most businesses are, frankly, if I had to really speak candidly. I think most still see the just such a linear view to human capital where it's like person, time, output, right? I don't care what they do outside of the working hours, doesn't matter to me, person, time, tools, output, right? Um, but you have a more worldly and holistic view and you can tell because your employees are some of the best recruiters at ESL, mm-hmm. recruiting their friends and family to come and work for you. What are the things that you're focusing on as a CEO from a wellness and well-being perspective today that may have been different even two years ago? So a couple of things. I'll just start by, by talking about the business and how it uh, uh, articulates uh, uh, what its strategy is. And uh, uh, you know, strategy can get all, uh, a lot of complexity to it, a lot of documents. But we try and translate that into a very simple, uh, what we call a strategy map, uh, which has four sections, if you will, four pillars in there, but the foundation on that uh, strategy map, the foundation on which the entire business is built is something called people, tools, and culture. And to us, that is, if that is strong, the outcomes we create, the work design we create will be successful. So we very intentionally put people at the foundation of everything we do. They they are our biggest asset. So how does that actually translate into activity? We are a highly designed organization. Uh, If we say something, it is supported by designed activities and processes. We have tremendous, uh, we have exceptional recruitment processes. We have uh, uh, processes to develop people, training, opportunities, we, we'd wire in time 
in people's annual calendar to be able to take time to train and develop. That is an expectation. You know, if you think of, uh, um, if you were saying I'm hiring a person and I want them to do a particular job, you, we intentionally carve part of the time that they are available in the year for development. Uh, and so it's, it's goal. These, this is a curriculum of courses available. We have been consistently among, ranked nationally as one of the best training and development organizations. And that's not accidental. It's a very deliberate action. It's an investment in our people uh, and an investment in the business. Um, and it's a demonstration to our people that we care, uh, that we all will be stronger if we continually develop. Mm -hmm. uh, we have mechanisms, very intentional mechanisms by which we recognize people. So this is not about pay for performance. This is about you did something great. Here is uh, what you did that was wonderful. Here is what I'm publicly recognizing. Some things might be recognized with a, a, a gift card. Other things might be big honors, like 20 people about to annually get honored with what we call ESL honors. That's why I'm sort of dressed with the way I was. We were presenting one this morning. Uh, but we deliberately take actions to demonstrate to people mm -hmm. that they are highly valued uh, and, and reinforce that uh, and build it as the foundation of the business. Uh, I, I, I think over the, the past two years, it was very important. We're very fortunate that that was wired in our culture, in our values. Um, um, so I mentioned people, tools, and culture, but I translate culture into values. Mm -hmm. The values really became central to our decision-making over the last two years, whether it related to our employees, wow. whether it related to our membership, or to our community. Those are the two stakeholder, uh, the three primary stakeholders are business partners, all are in the mix. Uh, uh, and uh, um, uh, they're part of the community. So over the last two years, as we saw our employees uh, faced with uh, numerous challenges, uh, we tried to come up with solutions that address those challenges in, in the flow, whether it was employees who were challenged with childcare who were facing illnesses themselves, who had uh, uh, other transportation concerns, whatever, uh, finding solutions for that on a dynamic basis. Mm. Uh, I, I think that became very central to everything we did. We have one of our values in particular, which is called caring about people. Mm. It became a litmus test on our actions. Uh, is this demonstrating caring for people? Uh, so whether it was for us very early on, right when the pandemic started, announcing to our employees, do not worry about pay. If you are, can't come in, if, you can't, if we have to close our, uh, our offices, we will continue to pay you. Wow. We had to relieve them of that burden right up front. Wow. And other actions that we took along the way, demonstrating caring about people with the membership, asking the question about what do our members need? Much like much of our industry did a wonderful job about that. So it's not just ESL. The banking industry did a very good job of saying, we need to defer payments for people who can't uh, make them because it's such a disruption here. Yeah. Uh, we need to not charge certain fees. Yeah. 
we need to, one thing we did was we proactively reached out to our customers who weren't calling us if we noticed them getting unemployment checks and said, hey, it is not a bad thing for you to say, I don't have my usual cash flow defer my payment. Mm -hmm. Let us know if you need help in that regard. We proactively reached out to them. Wow. I can't tell you how much our employees loved doing that. Yeah, wow. They felt like they were really helping people out there. That's and our members were delighted by that. Uh, but uh, it was very basic, caring action to take. Yeah. That, comes, uh, that comes almost as like first nature to you. And, and I think it's in humble beginnings, I think teaches all a lot of things. I think, I think, I think your, your upbringing, you, you getting to see the haves and the have nots is like what you mentioned, right? And, and just the awareness and the consciousness that you said is like, I wasn't poor. I wasn't, I wasn't that bad, but I wasn't at the top. I was maybe in the middle. Um, but understanding, I think that brings more awareness to your role that you have an understanding of what life stressors that anyone within the organization or any customer to the organization could be potentially going through. And you're really trying to remove those roadblocks uh, as, as things that are in the way for them to achieve their success and their definition of success. Yeah, and what, what enables that really is the team we have at the top, a uh, 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 team that is diverse, a uh, team that is racially diverse, that is of different ages, uh, uh, different genders. Um, there were so many issues that we were facing that uh, you could very logically think about, but to have people in positions that they may have life experiences in that changes the dynamic of the conversation. So it's really enabling the team uh, that brings their own uh, perspectives uh, uh, is what if there's any credit, it is creating an environment, but the actions mm -hmm. are due to the great team that exists, mm -hmm. that uh, uh, is a very diverse, that trusts each other, that will have robust discussions. Mm -hmm. But because of the trust, they will say, maybe I don't see it, but I know how passionate about something you are. I will believe it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I think the 20 people on our team did an amazing job of bringing themselves uh, uh, to the actions we had to take, uh, uh, that we needed to take, uh, uh, that would be uh, consistent with our, our values and our purpose. Right. Our purpose continues to be our journey for us. We uh, codified that in our business in 2016, we started, but really codified it in 17. And we continue to examine our business through the lens of our purpose of helping our community thrive and prosper. We know there are parts of what we do that are contradictory uh, to that. We are working through that. We are trying to understand those contradictions and trying to rationalize uh, 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 how to overcome them. At the end of the day, uh, we do need to be a successful business to do good. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have to be, uh, as we say frequently, we have to be able to finance our dreams. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we do have to run a strong business, yeah. but we can't run a strong business while at the same time running it in, in a way that's contradictory to our purpose. 
so there are things that we're examining about ourselves and continue to change uh, that we uh, did a number of things over the last four or five years. Uh, we, uh, we, and we basically realized uh, through some of our participation on the Rochester Monroe Anti-Poverty Initiative that uh, part-time work really creates a burden for families. Uh, so we basically told our employees, anyone who wants to work full-time, we have a full-time job for them. Wow. Uh, uh, some people have a preference for part-time. We will accommodate that. Uh, certainly, as I mentioned during the pandemic, because of circumstances that people couldn't come in, uh, we still paid them full uh, wow. full wages. Uh, uh, we went out to our membership annually. We look at our profits and distribute part of it back to the membership. And we knew that we would have a good year in 2020. And at the same time, we knew our members needed support. Yeah. So we distributed an early dividend uh, uh, that year. Uh, I believe it was 10, 10 or $15 million that we distributed. Uh, we, uh, uh, like all banks, mobilized to really get money out to businesses to stabilize the uh, economy. Uh, and we very much looked at what our community needed uh, and participating with United Way and others who formed that community crisis plan, we said we will direct funding there. And uh, we, in 2021, I believe, did about $24 million in philanthropy. Uh, and the year prior, I'm pretty sure we were approaching about 20 million. We've done over 40 million in philanthropy in the last few years. That's amazing. And we expect to continue that. Uh, it just got directed more towards the pandemic yeah. uh, over the last few years. Uh, so, I mean, uh, it, the purpose at the same time, we have to look at ourselves and examine and say, what do we need to change? Mm. But it takes some effort to understand. Uh, 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 why long-standing business practices don't make sense. Uh, uh, and uh, that's a, that is challenging, uh, but something we're committed to doing. Uh, and uh, uh, we want to be very transparent and true to the purpose in reality. As I said, what we put down uh, in our strategy, in our statements, are always backed by processes and actions. We do not make statements without a plan on how to make those statements come alive. That's so, and it's so important because that's those are the building blocks to trust and to purpose, right? And and your purpose, I think, it, yes, it will be ever changing. But I think what you shared about how uh, excited your employees got to to call somebody that they knew might have been on hard times, I think they know the purpose and what they're there for. And it's not banking; it's it's truly what what how can I help somebody that might be under stressful times and be there as a resource, as a friend, as a confidant, whatever it might be. Um, and that showed up even when I was a customer going through the process of, 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 of joining. Uh, so, and, and I say this in, in, uh, in a nice way, uh, really, all things considered, finance is typically these types of feel-good things that we're talking about, right? And, and putting people before profits. And yes, the understanding is we need profits in order to, to, to fulfill our purpose. Um, but sometimes things can be quantitative and some things can be qualitative, right? Um, and some of the things that we're talking about show up not always on a balance sheet. How did you get yourself to the, I guess, the awareness, right? That people do 
if I focus on our people, right, the right inputs, and you said people, tools, and culture, and I loved, and then adding the values. And those are the inputs, no matter what we do as a business, whether you are in banking or I could take you to a manufacturer, if that is your intention always, you're always going to kind of be ahead. When did you come to that realization? So I, I think George Eastman deserves a lot of credit here. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, in uh, 1920, the whole reason East, the then Eastman Savings and Loan, which is what ESL stands for, was formed because George Eastman was uh, growing Kodak significantly. He was bringing employees from all over the country into our community. And if in context, at that time, the financial services business was not quite as evolved. Uh, he wanted people coming from all these disparate communities to form a community in Rochester. And central to his idea was if they had mechanisms by which they could save and buy homes, mm. they would get interested in building their neighborhoods and their schools would connect with the community. So it was really an employee driven uh, uh, activity that he started. Uh, and uh, that's what we were born from. Yeah. It was employees helping each other uh, succeed in life. So wow. we, we really went back to our history to remember the core reason for our uh, uh, starting. Now, I, I, I do think it's important to realize that 1920s, our country was very different in its understanding and its appreciation and respect for all people. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... Uh, uh, Kodak and uh, George Eastman was no different in terms of disparate impacts on people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, certainly uh, that uh, largesse and generosity uh, did not extend to all communities, which is something we've also understood. And uh, uh, that's the reality. It's not just a, something peculiar to ESL. It was the, uh, the then Eastman Savings and Loan was part of a financial system uh, that was discriminatory. And that has a lasting impact. Uh, housing is a big source of wealth for people, generational wealth creation, and uh, uh, whole populations were excluded, not, not only not given the opportunity, they were deliberately excluded from participation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is something that we continue to look for ways uh, to uh, address. Uh, and I think the banking system is connecting with that and uh, looking to address that. But for us, understanding employees at the, uh, at the base of it goes really back to why were we formed? Wow. Uh, we were formed for the benefit of the people doing business with us, who were the employees, and to build a community. And we've connected with that and really taken that, I believe, to a different level by saying our purpose. Uh, we are a financial institution that is part of our mission, but our purpose is to help our community thrive and prosper. Yeah. So having a thriving and prosperous community for all mm -hmm. in an equitable manner is very central to us. Uh, but that employee as the foundation that traces its roots uh, uh, back to George Eastman. When I joined ESL in 1991, uh, it was very clear to me, employees and members or customers, there was no difference. Wow. We were employees serving each other. 
That's uh, right. and uh, that that was very clear. And that's a unique aspect. Uh, that super unique. Aspect. That's that's a uh, connection. That's a bond that not not many people can even. I mean, but you like you said, it 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 does take work. Um, and that's what I think a, a lot of organizations are realizing right now, Fahim, is that the, it takes change is they better get themselves comfortable with change. But ESL, it sounds like you have really gotten yourself, your arms around the change is inevitable and we just want to be ahead of it. Right. And I feel like you guys are uh, yeah. pretty much always ahead or quickly to react. But that takes that takes your courage and understanding that you trust the 20 people that report to you to do what you hired them to do. And, and some and 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 sometimes out of desperation, we want to control, but you're very comfortable with not controlling um, at the same time. Yeah, you realize very quickly, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> uh, if you're going to uh, really succeed, it's not what you do, but it's uh, uh, what you enable. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we are 930 some people in the organization. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people uh, uh, you know, growing the ship in that right direction and connecting them, valuing them, listening to them. We're very deliberate about feedback from our employees. They are the best people to tell us what needs to change, what needs to be kept the same. So we are, we do surveys. Uh, and as I said, you know, you were talking about how I solicit feedback. The company solicits mm -hmm. feedback. But part of why the feedback comes our way is we demonstrate that when we get feedback, we take action. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, certainly we have to prioritize things, but we take action. It's part of our process every year is we get feedback from a great place to work survey and from uh, an internal survey we run. And we have action planning as a result of those surveys. And we talk about or share the results with employees. This is what you told us. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what we did. Uh, uh, so it creates a healthy loop. And we do that with our membership also. We yeah. actively solicit uh, feedback from our membership. We always try and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. But amazingly, we don't always do the right thing. <laughs> but uh, I think I with you. There, but sometimes we don't see what we're doing until it's pointed out. And that's what I, I think, less, like I was going to say, it's less words, right? It's more action. You guys are really living it out. And I think that that, that just came across, like I said, the bathrooms were clean. That means to me, like you, you care, right? And you know that your employer cares about you and you're going to go the extra mile for that customer, for that employee, for that coworker. And that culture, that environment is you can feel in the branches that you probably might not be able to stop in at every day to make sure that that's the culture. And it's really hard to reproduce that and not get these subcultures within external parts and branches of, of such a, a bank. But you touched on kind of building those connections and being purposeful behind building those connections. Right. I, 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 this is one of my favorite interviews. I will have to say this is, I have, uh, what I, no joke. I like seven or eight pieces of paper of notes right here for him. You're giving me a lot. Um, and, and where I wanted to kind of end was you touched on it, right? I think just building the awareness of our history, right? Pros and cons. I mean, you just calling out the, the George Eastman and how certain demographics were, were totally left out just being aware and conscious of that helps you to call the elephant out in the room and address it and make those changes. So my last question, what would you say 
is your greatest accomplishment to date as a person? And I know your family. So I know you're a family man. So I would say daughters and wife. If those couldn't be your answer, what would you say? I find the biggest satisfaction out of seeing the success around me of the people. If I have a role that I played in helping people succeed, I feel successful. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I, I think uh, uh, someone said this, right? You know, you can't, you know, applauding is about hands clapping and one hand can't really clap. You need both. Uh, there's something to that. I'm not really good with analogies sometimes. But uh, it, again, going back to being part of something, seeing individuals, seeing the community uh, 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 having small way impact on that is is hugely satisfying it means i'm doing justice uh to the opportunity i've been provided uh and i really respect the platform i'm given uh and uh, uh but uh there's tremendous joy in seeing us succeed as a group uh, uh whether it be in our professional careers uh as a business uh, uh, and uh, the impact we have on our membership and communities and our employees. So uh, that makes me very proud uh, to be part of that. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, you know, it's, it's not just a statement, be part of it. We succeed because we are highly collaborative. That is what makes us strong. It is not one person. It is getting the best of each other out together. Yeah. We are an amazing team. Uh, and uh, uh, to me, success is seeing the success around me. And, and amazingly, that means I'm, I get success also. <laughs> it's amazing how you can find those win-win-win scenarios more Absolutely. often. Absolutely. And, and a couple of things in closing that you just said was uh, you respect the position. You mentioned respecting of what you are cautious of what you said because of the belief factor. Everybody is going to believe and they get inspired but you respect your role as a CEO. And I think that word just in and of itself is you are more emotionally aware, right? The, the fact that you understand that this is a role that you have an opportunity to drive an impact or you could not and make it more profit driven. But how rewarding is that at the end of the day? How much more successful will you be making others or are you using the backs of others to raise your own success? And I think you've built and established your leadership through really making those individual connections because you had, you had no desire to really be the, the center of the, the, the stage until you realized, oh, I can have an impact and I can help others kind of raise others up with me. So Fahim, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with you today and, and Tyler, I know did as well. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for being that, that shining star within in Rochester. You know, I think other leaders are going to hear this and other leaders know you in the community. And now they're looking up to you to see how you run and organize your organization. And yes, it's the people that you surround yourself with. But it, as, as the saying goes, it all starts at the top. So well, you're thank initiative. you for the opportunity. Uh, I am ever thankful for the life that I've uh, uh, been given by this community. And uh, I'm, uh, 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 I'm just very proud to be part of it. So uh, thank you. I really appreciate that we were able to do this. And uh, thank you for the opportunity, Kevin, and appreciate Tyler's participation. <laughs> thank you so much.